Welcome to a new episode of the Cartridge Club, where we discuss our game of the month with members of the Cartridge Club community. If you've played along, you can always share your own experiences in the forums at cartridgeclub.org, in our community's Discord, or across social media by using the hashtag PlayAlongWithPrime. My name is Ryan, aka it's Rocket Sauce, and I'm one of the hosts for the show. Here with me is my co-host Musty. How you doing, buddy? I'm doing great, Ryan. And it's great uh, to be here finally at the season finale for our first season as hosts of the Cartridge Club. So it's pretty exciting times. Uh, now we were you looking forward to this one? I know this one is uh, this one's been uh, an, an interesting choice. This is, of course, with our season finales, we always have our clubs patrons nominate and vote on this game and i know that you had some strong feelings in the moment yeah if you know me very well you know i'm not a big fan of um turn pace rpg it's just the gameplay style isn't for me but our patrons you know voted it as the game that we played but as host i will play i played the game and i have thoughts so yeah. uh so we are going to have some thoughts on Chrono Trigger, uh, and and that's the game that was selected for us. And with us uh, today, we've got uh, we have a couple of super fans. And so, Ryan, you want to go ahead and introduce our panel for today? Sure. First up, uh, we have Alex, aka SNES Drunk. How you doing? I'm good. How are you? I'm fantastic. Thank you for being here. Oh, you're welcome. Thanks for having me. Appreciate it. Awesome. Uh, next up, we also have Steven. Steven, what's going on? Hey, guys. Thanks for having me. Really excited to be here and talk about Chrono Trigger. Thank you very much for being here. So we're going to go ahead and roll right into things with this. We have uh, you know, quite a bit to talk about. So the thing that we always like to do is start everything off with a little bit of a breakdown. A 1995 RPG for the Super Nintendo, Chrono Trigger is the collective work of Final Fantasy creator Hironobu Sakaguchi, Dragon Quest creator Yuji Horii, and manga artist Akira Toriyama, most commonly known for Dragon Ball. It follows our main silent protagonist, Chrono, as he visits the local fair, only to be pulled through time by a faulty teleporter experiment. Learning of the coming global catastrophe, Chrono and his companions seek to save the world while jumping through different eras in time. Chrono Trigger was a critical and commercial success and was found at the top of many lists of the best games and RPGs. It even landed at number six overall on the Cartridge Club's top 100 games of all time, compiled in 2017. We've got a lot to talk about here, so let's jump right in with our panel's overall thoughts. Well, all I can say is that I distinctly remember renting Chrono Trigger back when it first came out, and... It was one of those, it was actually my first experience with a video game where it was that phenomenon where you sit down with, with something, whether it's a book or a movie or in this case a game, you look at the clock, it says six o'clock. You look back, the next time you look at the clock, you feel like 30 minutes have passed when in fact six hours have passed. So nice. this this was just, I think I got to the Hecran Magic Cave Battle when I died, and then I was like, okay, time to go do something else for a little while. And it turns out it's dark outside, and it's it's 12.30 at night. I'm just like, what the hell happened? Like, <laughs> I've been playing this game this whole time. So I got, the reason I think this game, yeah, this is, in my opinion, easily a top three Super Nintendo game ever, including Super Famicom games, might even be the best ever. Um, and I think the primary reason for that is the storytelling, the way it just, it brings you in, and it doesn't let go. 
Yeah, so you you did a little bit of time traveling then in your first oh, experience. Oh yeah, nice <laughs> nicely great. done. Appreciate yes. that. Yeah, <laughs> for sure. Stephen, what are your thoughts on Chrono Trigger? Yeah, I also rented the game back when it first came out. I was uh, I was eight years old, and uh, I had I remember seeing the game on uh, my local Target at the time, and I'm gonna see if I remember this correctly because I could be mistaken, but I remember they had these. Uh, like gaming kiosk things set up in their electronic section and it was like a big screen with a panel underneath it and I remember using that you could select different games and see previews of them and I had uh saw first saw Chrono Trigger on that uh kiosk thing and uh I had played Final Fantasy 4 and 6 and uh and Secret of Mana so I I had kind of had a I knew there was a pedigree there with Squaresoft and seeing this was a new game from Squaresoft and it just looked amazing to me. I, uh, I knew I had to play it. So I also rented the game very quickly became my, my favorite game and it's remained my favorite game over the years later, got it for my ninth birthday. So yeah, just, it, I, I can't really think of a, what my specific thoughts were my first played it as a kid as what may have drawn me to the game. But I think it was probably just the overall package, just uh, the gameplay, the music, the story. Uh, I think it all just really spoke to me on that on that level. And uh, yeah, just just always been my favorite game, and it probably always will be. So, question for you, Stephen here. Okay. Were you is this your first RPG or JRPG, or have you were you exposed to it prior around your around eight years old? Yeah, I had, I had played the uh, the other Final Fantasy games on the Super Nintendo as well. I may have played a couple others, but those are the two that I specifically remember playing. Sure. I, I only ask because, I guess I'll go into my thoughts here. 35-year-old me um, was struggling for the first probably couple of hours to figure out what to do. And hearing 8-year-old you <laughs> walk through, it's like, you know, like, oh, yeah, 8, 9 years old. Oh, I don't know if you said it was a breeze or not, but, you know, it makes me feel, I guess, lesser. lesser. I, I don't remember if... If it was a breeze or not, I don't remember how much trouble I may have had. It usually it took me um, a couple of years to get through an RPG like this. I, I remember, um, yeah, it, it was probably at least a couple of years before I finished Final Fantasy VI. I don't remember specifically about Chrono Trigger, but I don't remember it being a game I had a lot of trouble with. But I, I'm sure I didn't get through it as easily as I as I would as an adult. Mm -hmm. I can relate to that. I remember as a kid only having a few games, and you just play that for. You know, as long as possible, right? Yeah, you know, kind of just beat your head against it until you mm -hmm. figure it out. Mm -hmm. Well, I guess I'll go into my, my take here for the game. Um, so I will say this. I like the game. This was my first time playing the game. I've seen this before. I've, I've been well aware of this game. It's always evaded me probably forever because I want to say probably when I kind of started getting back into collecting, it was always a little bit more pricey so you know the thought of maybe playing an rpg game that was kind of pricey was not something i was willing to commit to granted the um re-release then of the ds version which is the version i've been playing it it became more i guess accessible and easier to play with so yes like i said i i like this game that i've been playing uh my gripes are and I, i'm sure we'll get into this later here too is it seems to me like it's taken me about 10 hours into the game to get into the game, if that makes any sense. And uh, it may just the way I've been playing it, but it seems like it took me about 10 hours to actually get 
Frog is a playable character in the game as a part of my as part of my three that I've been rolling with here. And that's to me when the story started to open up a little bit more for me. So if I'm going to have a gripe, that's going to be my gripe. But now I, I, I come to hear that this game isn't as long as most other JRPGs. But uh, I don't know, like it was it was a point for me where I was kind of struggling continue playing this game because i'm not a fan of the of the style of gameplay of a of a turn-based rpg game so for me to get 10 hours into the game before i actually started enjoying it was kind of uh, i would say it's a dislike for me yeah i still i still commend you for for pushing on i know that i know that it's it's tough when being you know co-host of the show with you right like if you get into a game that is just not uh jiving with you to to even push to the 10 hour mark is you know and then having it finally like sink its hooks into you, like I commend you for for pushing on and and not just giving up or like you know putting thirty minutes into it and being like I'm I'm done, hands up, I'm I'm out. Um, so so thank you for at least yeah. pressing on. I'm I'm glad to hear that you're that you're liking it. And, and I I shouldn't say it's uh, it's like awful or anything in gameplay. It's just uh, it's not a style I generally like. And I should also say that. I have very little experience with RPGs because of my my track record of not having a good time playing them. So it's kind of like this is like for me learning how to play a turn-based RPG, if that makes any sense. But, you know, there's things I really did like in this game, like the story once, I want to say probably once uh, Frog's story becomes more of a, a focal point, at least for that one chapter in the game, once that once that kind of started happening, it really started to um, I don't know, like the music brought me in. That started to bring me into the game where I'm like, okay, let's let's keep rolling with this here. So, cool. Well, yeah. So I I played this game the first time on the DS in 2016. Uh, it was I I missed the Super Nintendo growing up entirely. Uh, so I've been kind of trying to make amends for that by hitting a major RPG for the system every year. Um, so 2016 was Chrono Trigger, and then 17 was Final Fantasy IV, last year was Final Fantasy VI, and so I'm, I'm slowly getting there, trying to make up for those those gaps. But I really enjoyed my, my, my time with the game then. I'm playing through it now using the, playing the Super Nintendo version, uh, and I've been playing it entirely on stream, which has been great. Because when I when I do that, it makes me take my time through the story and and letting things kind of simmer <laughs> as they're going. But I've been having a blast doing it. Uh, I I feel like like you guys have all said like for those who who have played other RPGs before, this this is at the top and very there's very few that it competes and hits on all these different things. Yet it's it has enough different from the other games that were going on at that time that that it is unique the music i think is another major major point and we'll we'll make sure to hit that but like i was looking through the soundtrack list and i don't think there's a single track on that that i'm like yeah i'll skip this one like it is almost a perfect soundtrack which i think is crazy but yeah let's let's get let's get into that we, we were talking about story as being a major point all three of you brought up that so let's let's talk a little bit about that you're you're kind of you kind of wake up and have your very quick moment with your your mother who's like hey go check out you know your your best buddy luca is uh is down at the fair let them go head to the fair and uh you kind of get 
whisked away uh, on on your mission somewhat quickly. Although although in my playthrough here, I I took a lot of time to to I did all the silver point stuff like at the beginning instead of coming back and doing it later. But how do you feel, Alex? How how do you feel about this setup? Like, what do you what? How do you feel about like the Millennial Fair as kind of your intro tutorial level and like um how does it jibe with the rest of the game how does it help yeah. roll out the rest of the game yeah the only real issue i have with it is that you got to talk to the woman at the fountain to get things moving and i guess that is one of those intuitive rpg things that you got to know to talk to everybody and you got to know to sometimes talk to everybody twice it's just one of those rpg tropes that just is it just is what it is and chrono trigger is no different than that like you got to talk to her to unlock the teleport oh luke is finally ready to do the thing up top so yeah that's kind of annoying but um the rest of it was very novel like i'd never seen any like an open like oh you mean i can just go do whatever i want right now like that's kind of cool like i can just leave the fair and then go talk to these people in these houses and go like raid their houses of gold and items and whatever else they have that's cool but no, as far yeah, once the teleportation and you know, it's like oh, it's 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 not a fair anymore, you know, it's <laughs> something more serious, and that's that's when it's like uh oh, something something's going on here. But I I will confess to uh, <laughs> it it became kind of a joke uh, between my friend and I going all the way back to high school was uh, leveling up on Gato, where it's like you're kind of running in place, not getting anything done, not accomplishing anything. You're leveling up on Gato. So it's like you don't want to level up on Gato. Don't don't sit there and play G- against Gato for forever. If you if you actually gain a level playing just Gato, like uh time to move on and do something else. So I have I have a confession then. Did you uh, level up on Gato? So what happened was I, I I knew that I needed the silver points. And that was the most effective way for me to get them, I believed. So I I fought him a number of times, but the problem was I kept botching the 80 point. Um, so there's the the House of Horrors, which has three different missions that you can, or three oh, different yeah. mini See, games I didn't even you can do, do that stuff until way later. Yeah, I I I knew it was something I would have to do, uh, and so I figured I might as well knock it out early. Yeah. But I because I would because I had botched it, like I lost that 80 point one like four or five times, and okay. so that was. I kept going back to Gato to boost up the points so I could go do that again. And, uh, and so, yeah, I easily gained four or five levels. Oh, uh, right on. Right so on. The, the That's dedication. Game, right there. The early game felt really good for me because I had, you know, yeah. two characters who were sufficiently like, I, I would just kind of walked through, uh, you know, 600 AD the first time. Oh my God. You just had to hope nobody, nobody targeted Luca then. Kinda, yeah. <laughs> but no, I, I, I dug it. Ryan, I think you, I recall, had run into some of that stuff with, with, uh, you're like, how do I get out of here, right? Like, um, did you have activities that you were doing in the fair that that you found entertaining? No, no. Uh, I, the first hour was not the most fun for me. I would say, like, uh, I, we, we had a side discussion going on, Musty, and I, I remember like trying to say, like. Uh, I'm doing the woods. I'm 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 in the woods here. I'm I'm here trying to level up in the woods. And you're, I think you were telling me, don't do that. Go go to the fair or something like that. So I was kind of like, oh, I don't know what I'm doing. I'm just trying to do something here. So I don't know. It was one of those. 
it wasn't, I guess, the most um, direct for me where to go. I need, I need my handheld. Luckily, uh, a friend of ours guided us to, or guided me to a walkthrough guide to use, you know, with no spoilers. It's just basically telling me what I, what to do. So, and that made my life a lot easier with, with playing this game. Steven, did you, did you have a go-to thing at the fair or did you kind of just, yeah, I, I assume you've played through this multiple times at this point. <laughs> yeah. Uh, uh, did you, do you have like that thing that you always go do? You know, I think everybody goes and fights Gato at least a few times. Um, I also really like the, um, the little race where you can uh, try to guess the winner. Um, I think you get 20 silver points if you guess correctly. And I don't know if, uh, how well known this is, but there's a NPC on the right. If you talk to him, he'll, he'll say, oh, I think this, uh, you know, the steel runner is going to win or something like that. And I think most of the time he's right. So it becomes a pretty effective way to farm those silver points. But uh, yeah, between that and uh, the Gato fighting and I was never very good at the, uh, the drinking game where you have to tap the button. I could never uh, get, I believe it's eight, that uh, eight glasses. I can never quite put that many away, but uh, yeah, I think those are the ones that I usually go for. Can you guys explain to me what these silver points are? Because I don't think I have any. It's just what you win from games and stuff, oh. and you use them to. Oh, uh, what do you? I it's I know just the House of Horrors, right? It's just the that thing on the on the far right in the upper right, yeah. But that doesn't become part of the game's narrative until much later on. I mean, you can do it early on. Just I'm not even sure what happens when you do it early on. But I want to say at the at the 20 hour mark, you actually go back, and that becomes part of the story to uh, retrieve a certain well to to do something very important if you choose to do it. Sounds good. I think you can also trade the silver points in for money. That's oh yeah, also yeah, true. Yeah, yeah. Uh, one one of our community members i think it was uh nintendo hodge uh, in the forums mentioned that he he would get the silver points and turn them in for for gold that he could then flip for for weapons early on i don't think i bought anything in the shop the the one thing that i did the most in the fair was steal that man's lunch <laughs> because i was playing fighting against gato so much it was an it was an instant full regeneration of health so you just got to run in, fight him, come back out, eat and back and forth and back and forth. And all of those things and a lot of the actions that happen in there all come into unbeknownst to, to you at that point, become a major factor in how the story progresses just a few you know, hours beyond that. But you end up running into your uh, a, a girl, Marl. At least that's how I'm pronouncing it. But yeah, it's pretty sure you guys go with Marl. And you you literally run into her, knocking a pendant out of her, uh, you know, onto the ground. And again, how you handle that, how you handle that situation, uh, also has has implications going on. But uh, she decides to want to, you know, hang out with you, tag along, uh, and so then you go find your friend, who's doing this teleporter experiment, and Marl decides that she wants to be a part of it. Well. She sends her back in time because of this magic pendant that she's got around her neck. And so then you've got to follow her from there. And it uh, sets off a, a, a lot of initial just, you know, save the princess kind of situation. Uh, although you don't know she's a princess yet. 
but yeah, so you end up going back back in time with Luca uh, to go try and retrieve her. And so the first time you're back, Ryan, you you had said this is this it was around the time when you ran into Frog, which is later in this section. Correct. That's the point when you run into Frog. Six hundred A.D. Yeah. Six hundred A.D. It's yeah. at the cathedral. Okay, so yeah, you you go in, you find that Marl has actually been mistaken for the queen in that time. There you go. I'm trying oh, to reiterate. Looks... I'm trying to remember these things. Yeah. It's been like 16 hours ago. Yeah, uh, I'm I'm trying to remember it myself too, coming through the the replay in my head here too. Yeah, because she bears an awful resemblance to the queen, right? I wonder why that is. Oh. But yeah, from there from there you find out that you need to go to the cathedral. It's been overtaken by monsters and fight through there now this being the first time you're you're seeing kind of the same world in a different uh in a different place steven let me let me ask you like what'd you think of how how they take you from you know just this happy-go-lucky kind of celebration into into there's actually some like stress and drama happening in this world yeah, so I think this is one of the things that probably drew me to the game as a kid and what kind of sets it apart from other similar experiences is that, you know, you, you're traveling through time, you're visiting the same locations, just in a different era. And yeah, it's a much different vibe um, in 680 as opposed to 1080 because they're they're dealing with the uh, the war against the, the Fiend Lord, which I'm sure we'll talk about later. But yeah, it's just... So to me, it's always been a really cool aspect of the game. Yeah, and and it's really in this section that you start to really get a feel for the combat, right? One of the things that, that Chrono Trigger does differently than a lot of other RPGs up to this point is the option of an active turn-based combat versus a a you know true wait turn-based combat combat, and and you have the option to flip them them off. Am I safe to assume, Alex and Steven, that you always go active, or do you have a preference, or have you tried have you tried both? I think I have actually played both. I, I think a lot of times I would, in the past, I would use wait, actually, because one thing that bugs me a little bit is when you're using some of your, your um, abilities in the game, they, they target certain areas, and you can uh, attack multiple enemies at a time. But I believe if you leave it as active, they'll they'll continue to move around. So I actually had instances. I was playing active this time where I was trying to use Cyclone on a group of enemies, and uh, I would have three or four enemies targeted, and then right before I hit the button, one of them would move out of range. So then I just missed them. But playing, I, I played on active this time, and I actually really like the um, the. I think it has an, a layer of strategy. It, it makes you think ahead a little bit. You can't sit there and cycle through all your commands and really think too long about what you're going to do because you have to you're, you're just going to keep getting hit um, by enemies and you know you have to stay on top of that and think ahead and I, I like that aspect of the game yeah active is much more stressful weight makes it a much more traditional turn-based rpg where it's their turn my turn their turn my turn um everything's very static whereas active things are like steven said things are moving so the biggest pain in the biggest pain in the neck with that is like when you uh, later in the game when you earn abilities like cyclone and slash 
Slash especially, when you try and line up enemies in a, in a perfect line, and then they kind of scoot off by a few pixels at the last second, mm-hmm. and you miss one of them just barely. Like, ah, uh, that's... But, you know, it, it also kind of goes, you know, it, it does make you think ahead a lot. And it's much better than just leaning on the A button like you have to do with other RPGs where it's just, you just tap an A and just doing basic attacks. And But yeah, also, I just wanted to point out real quick, going back to 600 AD and this point of the game, and th- this is when you start to learn dual attacks with Marl and Chrono and then eventually Frog when you meet him. And that was something at the time, both at the time and, bo- and now, uh, they look spectacular, they sound cool, when you do them and they're very versatile. Like there's different ways you can like different characters have different healing abilities that range in strength. Uh, some can be used for attacks. And I thought that was really cool. Yeah. Now one, one question I have for, for those who played in wait, how do the dual techs work in that case? Like, do you have to like, once you have a person who hits full, you know, atb bar do the others just freeze and like and how do how do dual techs work in that situation because that's I've, a good I've, question i've only played active yeah i think um i think the the atb meters only pause if you're um in the the, the tech menu or in the item menu i think if you're just on the overall battle screen that they don't pause so you can have gotcha. one character ready to go and if you just sit there and wait the other characters will charge They'll still charge. Okay. Right. Yeah, okay. because that makes that's, sense. That's that's how I approach it. I played on weight, so that's I would just have to wait if I was going to do a dual, dual attack attack. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Yeah, because because <laughs> there have been times like I there's nothing more frustrating than having to rifle through a menu to find a revive. <laughs> yes. Yes. <laughs> while you have something that's like bearing down on you, and it's just like it's like it is immensely frustrating. Yeah. It's you know you. You end up getting better at it. I, I actually ended up sorting my inventory a little better so that that was not as much of a problem. But but yeah, the dual text, did you did you guys, I mean, one one thing the dual text and eventually the triple text do is, I mean, it really encourages experimentation with party combinations. At this point in the game, you you will have had only, only the three uh, in Luca and Marl. But down the road, you get all kinds of weird combinations and like, people who heal who you don't think can heal and uh yeah i i really dug that did you guys have a favorite tech go ahead steven um it's hard for me to remember on previous playthroughs on i don't think we've mentioned it yet but on this playthrough i was actually doing a new game plus so i was like really overpowered so i didn't have to rely on techs as much I actually was just doing a lot of the hammering on the A button because I could get away with it at such a high level. There was one in particular when I got to the uh, prehistoric era and you have to um, use lightning attacks on a lot of the dinosaur type monsters. There was one, I actually don't remember the name of it, but uh, Chrono and Robo have this lightning attack that can hit, uh, hits every enemy and it just did a ton of damage. And I think there was another similar one um, between Chrono and Frog, that I thought just looked cool, where Frog um, basically plants his sword into the enemy, and then Chrono will strike it with lightning. I thought that was a cool one, but oh, that, that does sound cool. I haven't gotten yeah. that one yet. Yeah. Or I haven't tried that one yet. 
Plus, there's goofy text. I think with the most unexpected combo. I think there's one with when you get super late in the game, like when you have you can have Luca, Isla, and Marl, and they do something goofy called the Poyozo dance or something like that, and they just kind of like dance around and flicker on the screen, and there's like a stuffed animal bouncing around, and I think it's a healing. I don't even know what it does. I think and it, I think it uh, confuses the enemies on there, and it's it's really goofy and so unexpected and strange. It's that's that one's always going to be one of my favorites. But my favorite for damage is when you get Ice Sword Two. Holy mm. cow! That's that can do up to 10k depending on who you're who you're facing because it all depends on how strong Chrono's sword is and how strong Marl's magic is. So. And I and those are the two things I always put all the power tabs and magic tabs to are those two characters. And so Ice Sword Two ends up being this like super overpowered spell that I really like. That's awesome. I found myself uh, in this playthrough. Uh, I I've been favoring Isla as a party character for me. We haven't really talked about her yet, but we'll uh, we'll we'll get to that. But I I use her and and Chrono for Falcon Hit, which is oh yeah. Falcon hit is uh, is a it'll it'll take a straight line across the the screen and everything that's on that line it, it's just massive damage and there's a few bosses especially in the late game that um, that 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 one attack is is a game saver uh, otherwise those those fights uh, against uh, Giga Gaia in particular uh, is much easier with Falcon hit and then. Uh, cube tosses Marl and uh, Isla's dual tech, where Marl does a basically ice two, and then Isla throws it at the uh, at the bad guy. And yeah, that's another that's another, and, and and that one you can target a single individual, which becomes also very handy. And that's a physical. Lot of these, oh, I'm sorry. It, it's both. Yeah, it's yeah, physical. it's it's physical damage. I was gonna say, as opposed to magic damage. Gotcha. So you can you can use a you know a magic spell to do physical damage on, on creature, which is really handy late in the game. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because a lot of these enemies, and you know, as with as with many RPGs, you have enemies that have different resistances, and even within a fight, uh, there are a lot of shifts that can happen with enemies. They can all of a sudden. Uh, decide that I'm no longer going to uh, take damage from the spell, and it just everything changes. Yes. Uh, especially in the Magus fight, there's a few. There are some that uh, they'll have multiple multiple components on the screen, uh, like Zombor. A couple will be, uh, you know, you'll have one that's resistant to this and one that's absorbs this. Uh, right. So, you can't cast the high level stuff unless you can target it at, at one or the other. But so in 600 AD, you get Frog as a party character for a stretch, and then he he leaves you because he is ashamed of uh, of what he is, and he can't go back and see the queen because he has failed her. So then you return back to your time. You end up finding a way uh, using the I think it's using the pendant. You end up reopening the rift and and going back to your time and uh you are almost immediately incarcerated for abducting the princess so you now find that marl is the is the uh princess of guardia and 
one of the more interesting moments in this game is it then plays out, and that's the the trial. Alex, do you want do you want to talk about the trial a little bit and and how yeah. that plays out? I just like how you save the princess in like the first couple hours, three hours of the game, and then it's like, oh no, you didn't. You kidnapped her. <laughs> You're going to jail. So I thought that was really funny. Um, and uh, yeah, the trial is fascinating because, as you said earlier, it was stealing the guy's lunch when you know they, they actually bring the old guy into the trial and be like, "Yep, that guy right there, he took my lunch." And then not only that, but you also get um, good stuff you did as well. You get a character witness and the little girl if you decide to bring her cat back to her and she vouches for you. I forget the other people that come into the trial. There's one person who if you it depends on how you interact with the pendant after you knock Marl over. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. They they like you went straight for the pendant, didn't you? And you 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 get your you're given the choice to answer yes, no. And um, if you say yes, it's like, see, he's greedy. He, Of course he wants to kidnap the princess for her money. And even if you say no, and even if you say, no, I was not tempted by her uh, fortune or anything like that, you still get at least that one juror <laughs> that will always think you're guilty. So even if you get, uh, I think it's, there's seven jurors. You're, there's always that one annoying one that stick, that always, there's, I can never win that guy over. He always uh, sticks to the left. He always thinks I'm guilty. I'm pretty sure he's biased against me. Shouldn't have been a juror in the first place. He's probably just jealous. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Jealous of my hair. That's right. Yeah. You're my awesome. cool chrono hair. Chrono hair. Yeah. That his design is is really fascinating because it's like now we look back at that era of rpg and like you can see similarities in 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 secret of mana you see some in in like you know final fantasy 7 with the the protagonist with the you know spikes but he that just was... lo- he looks super unique at yeah. the time at the same time well at the time the only other rpg i ha- i had uh, like a significant amount of experience at the time was secret of mana so automatically, like right away, I'm like, oh, it's the guy from Secret of Mana from, who, whose name I didn't know at the time. I was just like, oh, now he has a name. It's Chrono. I, I treated it at, I think I was, I would have been 15 at the time when I played Chrono Trigger for the first time. So I was like, oh, it's just the Secret of Mana guy. Like I didn't even think anything of it. So, but yeah, no, he definitely stood out, especially in the manual as when you see the artwork. Yeah, he's, mm-hmm. he's a total badass. Well, that co- that cover image with uh, oh yeah, who's it? Is, it's Mar- uh, it's Luca casting fire on the sword. Is that the one? I think so. Yeah, yeah. I actually I have was, it behind it me. Luke? I don't think it's Luca. I think it's Marl and. Is it Marl? But she's casting fire. Whoops. Yeah, <laughs> yeah it's Marl casting something onto Chrono's sword while Frog is uh, down, and they're and it's the Hecran battle, but they're out in like a snowscape kind of a setting so but still it looks awesome yeah like it great. looks freaking cool yeah and uh okay back back to the trial I, I do have a question like is the only option with the old man just to not take his lunch pretty I mean, much that's basically if there's no there's no talking your way out of that i don't I think mean, so I, I took his lunch like 20 times so it's <laughs> like i i don't i felt really guilty there but yeah, not a whole lot you can do there, but yeah. So ba- based on based on the outcome of this trial, 
well, regardless of the outcome, you get incarcerated anyways. Is that is that right? Yes. I've, I've, I've never had a, a not guilty verdict. Yeah, I, I think that's possible. I think because at least the way I played it with the guide, they guided me to, if you want, like, the, I guess, all the jurors deem you innocent, you have to do everything, like, not take his lunch, return the cat back and everything. And you get the, everyone finds you not guilty, but you still get sentenced to death. So, regardless, you know, you're going to still get sentenced to death. You can either be a nice person or a dick or something like that. It doesn't matter. But yeah, so then then, uh, then we get the prison break segment of the game. And, uh, Stephen, do you, you want to kind of talk about this whole segment with the prison and, and, and getting out and um, maybe how, how you felt about all of that? Yeah, so, I mean, this whole trial and then subsequent prison break section... This has always been a part of the game that stood out to me ever since I first played it as being one of my favorite segments in the game. And uh, just to go back to the trial for a moment, you can get a uh, unanimous innocent verdict, but uh, yeah, they still sentence you either way. I think the only difference is that um, depending on how, how many jurors find you innocent, you get like a, a couple of items in your cell. So that's I think that's the only difference there. But uh, yeah, seeing that, all those things that you did or didn't do during the fair kind of coming back to to haunt you or, or play out in your favor. That, that's probably the first time I'd seen something like that in, in a game like this. So that was always really like cool. Like actual consequence, right? Yeah, yeah. And then the whole prison break part, it's uh, it's interesting. You're, you're running through the prison. You're fighting skeletons and uh, other things. And you, you see kind of how... Uh, how cruel I guess they, they can they can be in the Guardia Kingdom with their prisoners. I think if you uh, are deemed innocent by the jury, you're supposed to only be sentenced for three days in prison, but then the chancellor just says, no, we're going to execute them anyway. But you're trying to break out. And yeah, the, the whole dragon tank, I mentioned before about playing on a new game plus and being overpowered, how... Uh, I was mostly just able to hammer on the uh, the attack button. Didn't really have to use a lot of strategy, but I like that a lot of the bosses in Chrono Trigger have they have specific weaknesses. They have multiple parts, so you have to take them out in a certain order. And uh, the Dragon Tank is probably the first of those type of bosses in the game. So I think I think it's the head of the Dragon Tank that heals the rest of the body, and um, there's a wheel that does something. I still pretty much one shot the the Dragon Tank at level 50, but. Uh, I still had to think about how, you know, the order of taking it out. And even like you mentioned this, the uh, the scene of the whole thing with the background and you're on that bridge. And then I really love the way uh, when you defeat the dragon tank, Chrono just jumps on the back of it and it stabs, stabs it right in the back. That, that was just always a epic part. And then, then the tank explodes. And yeah, always been one of my favorite parts of the game. Yeah, that is, that, that is a great one. So that, you then you then find your way out and at this point I'm trying to remember what happens next you go to the uh future ah right yes you you have to you escape in the forest and find another rift and that rift that rift takes you into the future and things suddenly don't look so good ryan what what were your thoughts as you as you sort of walk through that portal and all of a sudden all of a sudden you're in 2300 a.d my thoughts at the point of this, this game is like, where are we going? Because now the times are all jumping around here. Like, 
I guess panic. I don't want to say panic is setting in for me because I'm like I I really need my handheld for this game. So now we're jumping in the future. We were in the past, and then I mean like it, it continues to happen throughout the game. So it it was one of those at this point in the game, which is still I guess under that ten still, hour mark for me. Yeah, where fairly it's kind of, early. You know, yeah. Yeah. So it it was at that point for me where it's just uh, I don't know you know what where this is going here with with this here so. So and you 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 come into this and you find these these domes right you you see the world and you can tell that there's been some something has gone horribly wrong because you see like broken skyscrapers and and just cities that are just decimated and these these domes that are full of you know people who are in like you know starving dirty, dirty clothes and they're and they're starving yeah. they're starving except they've got They've got their fancy uh, healing machines. It, it, Alex, I, I have to ask you because I I have heard you comment on this before, but I, what what there was something that you have said in the past about about those uh, what do they call the Enertrons? The Enertrons, yeah. Yeah. There was you you had made a comment on on something else that I had heard about how you found that amusing. Oh yeah, because it's. The the whole theme of the post-apocalyptic world there is just dread and hopelessness. So you go and, you know, you replenish all your energy and health and your MP and your HP and all that. And, you're, and you do a fist pump in your, anima- your, your little sprite animations, but you're still hungry. And I always thought that was really funny. Um, and I still resent the DS version for changing that line from but you're still hungry to like something else i forget what it is but the super the original super nintendo version says but you're still hungry and you hear your stomach growl and it and it really you, you get that like depressed look on your face it's just oh. it always makes me laugh <laughs> now i think the ios version still says hungry i think i'm not entirely sure I, I know we have we have a couple in the community who have decided to play that version just because that was what they had access to. But yeah, so you, you end up sort of making your way across the continent, which really isn't isn't that it doesn't seem to be that long of a drive. And you end up running across a friend, Johnny, who comes <laughs> out of nowhere. Uh, and I found I found this moment kind of wild because you 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 come into this fight what seems to be like it's going to be a fight and oh we skipped i skipped over mentioning the fact that that a lot of the battles in this game you see what's coming for the most part there's no random battles yeah there there are no random ones but there are ones that you can avoid if you know how to circumvent it i appreciate that yeah, well, especially in, in in the areas that you're running through over and over again, uh, like the the forest in in 600 AD, like you can you can make your way through that without having to deal with the same enemies over and over. But you end up walking into this. You look like you're gonna have to fight against four robots that you've never seen before, and then Johnny shows up. Stephen, you you want to talk about Johnny for a quick second? Yeah. So Johnny's like this. Uh almost like a 50s style uh robot who uh comes in and you have to you have to race them in this uh bike race which is pretty cool that they incorporated this into the game i think it's a little there's not a lot to it you're kind of just your vehicles are kind of bouncing back and forth almost in sort of like a rubber band fashion 
you can just kind of you have these uh, little speed boosts you can use to try to get ahead of them. That was usually my strategy was just mostly try to stay in front of them by ma- uh, making him bounce into the back of you and then right at the last second try to use one of those speed boosts across the finish line either way. But yeah, it's it's, it's interesting, especially in, in this part of the game where everything's so um, like bleak and desolate and you have this uh, what feels like a comic relief sort of character in the game. It's uh, kind of like you. hip, right? He's, he, he seems like he's kind of like this. Yeah, well, yeah. And all, all the robots treat him as like, like the a, man. Yeah. Call him the man. <laughs> Have you guys seen? So there's a there is a there is a short. It's like 16 minute uh, anime that sort of accompanied this. Have, have Have any of you seen that? Had it or had a chance to watch it? I've seen seen bits and pieces of it on YouTube, and it doesn't. It's the one that doesn't actually have any of the main characters, right? Right. Yeah. It's 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 almost like the, at the beginning, it's it's them setting up the the fair, and then all of a sudden, it's like the the enemies are having a fair as well in the same spot. So all of the enemy types are represented in there, like those little those little um, they almost look like fuzzy little puff balls with arms uh there's that there's uh gato's in there johnny's in there as well and there is a race uh it's like a 16 minute clip it's it's funny the music's incorporated there's a lot of just stuff that is stuff that you see in the game but is entirely uh, it just just feels like it came it's 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 very odd but it doesn't tie into the story at all uh yeah it's very unexpected yeah but johnny is a major a major component of that and so uh so you know you end up racing him to get across a good section of it and the the thing that that bums me out is you've taken all the time to drive over there but if you don't win you go back to the beginning it's like we're already here we're already here man come on and i didn't realize this until today i didn't know that you could turn the camera did you know you could turn the camera during the race it's the l and r buttons yeah i yeah. i had no idea that, that you could do that so you can yeah. make it so that it's more of like f-zero-ish instead of dealing with that side that side angle friends of the show and community members uh the the winter ion group over there uh just did a, a video actually that released this morning which is them doing coming back to that race and doing the challenge mode for it which has a score that gets assigned to it so they were competing to see who could get the best score on it which was fun but yeah some of them turned it vertically i was just like this is i didn't even know that was the thing didn't even yeah didn't i even found that by accident i can imagine right like it if 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 you took it and like got it to like the 45 degree angle like i couldn't imagine <laughs> trying to manage that like that just would be too much but making your way through you eventually find another dome and within that dome you end up finding uh, a new companion Luca, since she's so good with machines, uh, is able to heal. And this is Robo. Alex, you want you want to talk about Robo a little bit? Well, he's got Rick Astley's uh, theme <laughs> song. First of all, is is if it's uh, basically like a reimagining of "Never Gonna Give You Up," which is you know you, I did not know that until well, well, well after the fact. But it's still funny to look back out in retrospect. But yeah, Robo is initially named like RY dash then like three numbers, I think. And he was an abandoned robot that Luca fixes up and he becomes kind of your tank character that uh, has a ton of hit points, does a lot of physical damage, but his 
magic is a little lacking, but he does have some crazy, awesome dual techs that I can't think of the names off the top of my head, but I can see them. <laughs> but um, I know he has like a cyclone triple tech that with, I think it's with frog and chrono and they all kind of spin around together as like one giant windmill. It's really strange looking, but it's, it's super, it does a lot of physical damage, but um, yeah, Robo's your typical tank character in terms of combat, but in terms of story, yeah, he's the he's the uh, one character I think that you the one playable character you pick up in 2300 AD. I pretty I'm pretty sure you pick up at least one character in every time period in this game, and he's the one in 2300. So he, um, I've heard people say that that he is one who you can absolutely boost to a point where he is he is the powerhouse in this game. Oh yeah, if you give him all the power tabs and like just ignore everybody else in your party, then yeah, he could absolutely be over. I can totally see that. Or I mean, is is it possible to do that with anybody? Like or or, or is that just I is think, he just like naturally like inclined to be able to, for that to happen? I think he's naturally inclined because he's already got when you get him in your party, he's already got like what 100, 150 more hit points than everybody else at that mm-hmm. point. So you can still boost his, and his strength is already much higher than Kronos, for example. So yeah, if you just keep giving him every tab you find, then yeah, he'll be super overpowered by the time you get to the end of the game. Well, even before then, by the time you'd get to like, I don't know, by the, the Giga Gaia by, battle or mm-hmm. whenever. Yeah, he's he, he's capable of that for sure. And just him. I, I find it interesting. One of one of the things that that I noticed is that is that as you go on after after you've found Robo, right? If you bring him to certain places, people aren't shocked or put off by the fact that there's this giant humanoid robot. <laughs> um, I, I think somebody of... makes a comment. I think I think I think uh, Isla makes a comment about it when she like if he's in your party when you end up in 65 million BC, which is where you end up after after a brief interlude in the end of time, you end up going to, yeah, 65 million BC. You end up meeting Isla, who is the, the cave woman and leader of those, uh, of her people or heir to the throne, heir to the throne of, of, of their, of their people. And yeah, she sort of addresses all of you, but yeah, she, she just, you know, refers to Robo being very strong. She seems (laughs) to like, she likes strength a lot. Yeah. and not using helper words uh, and just just nouns and verbs for her, really. It's one of those things I think we've been spoiled by, or at least I have been spoiled by uh, st- shows like Star Trek Next Generation, where anytime they go to a different planet or meet a new alien race or whatever, it's like everybody's got to comment on Data. Like, oh, Data's different. He's an android. We, we, we need to make sure we point that out. Whereas Chrono Trigger is just like, yeah, he's a robot. Deal with it. Like, he's just there. <laughs> Yeah, he's fun. I, I I shouldn't skip over the fact that 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 between those two time periods, we 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 hit uh, a major hub for you that that sticks around through the the end of the time, and that's the the well the end of time with the little your little friend who likes to stand by his light post. The first time, Ryan, what what did you think the first time you ended up here? Like, did were you were you again like, what is happening here? Or very what, much what? so. Nope, very much so. Very and much so. Uh, 
Uh, I mean, but there's a station where you can refill your health right next to the guy by the light pole, and you can save. So it's always like a a sigh of relief when you, there's like a grand. You could save at any point in this game, right? Uh, as long as you're in an open field, which was nice. At least the DS version is the Super Nintendo version like that, or no? You have to be at a save point for the Super oh. Nintendo version. The DS version, yeah, you're you definitely want to play that one if you're. Oh, not, thank, uh, you know, it, yeah, you it, were you you made a, a wise choice there. Yeah, it's definitely. Um, I mean, anytime you see it, it's like you can use a shelter to re- to refill your right uh, MP and HP. So it's always like, I guess, a sigh of relief seeing those little save points. And there's one right there. But then there's that little gate that you um, you can unlock your magic at, right? Uh, yes. By fighting, I, I'm drawing a blank on his name off the top. Sekio. Sekio. A little. He's a little monster, right? But um, he teaches you magic. Yes. Which is a this point uh, a bonus because I, I think at this point like i don't think anyone i mean well chrono doesn't have anything like that um your luca side character had yeah, fire, yeah got fire luca, right luca had had fire but it wasn't that she was like it was like mechanical fire that she yeah. was able to to use mm-hmm. so uh and I, I think you're supposed to visit him every 10 levels right i think that sounds about him. right yeah so, I just visited so, him every time we got a new character in the party. So I'd, I would just take him there and he would kind of diagnose what their magic specialty would be. Like when I remember at this point in the game in 2300 AD, you bring Robo to him and he's like, you're a robot. You don't get magic. <laughs> <laughs> so, but yeah, with Frog, you bring him to, you bring Frog to him. He's like, well, you're a frog. Of course you're going to be water. You bring Isla to him. It's like, you're before magic, so you don't get any magic either because your fists are strong. Something like that. Yeah. But yeah, I, 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 I think the 10 levels thing is accurate, though, if can, I remember correctly. Can you lose the fight and still obtain the magic? I, 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 I beat him, I believe, the first time, but then going back, I believe, after the second time when he levels up, um, I lost a bunch of times, but I refused to lose until I eventually beat him. I just want to know if you can up, obtain magic still after losing if you guys know off the top of your head. I See, I, I always skip that fight. I just don't bother fighting him. You just get the magic Should and run? I be? Should I be fighting him? Uh, well, he says practice on me, right? And then... I guess it is. Oh, yeah, I think you get the magic anyway. And the oh, fight okay. is just to get magic tabs. I think you get five magic tabs if you beat him. Okay. Mm. Which is tough at the time because you're mad, you know, you haven't leveled up anything and you got to do, like, revives and... All that sort of stuff. So at that point in the game, anyway. So, yeah, I'm pretty sure uh, it's like it's something like magic tabs or something along those lines. But you potentially have to burn inventory items. Yes, definitely. Okay. I I, I think I think I fought him once when he when he was like one or two iterations stronger and. He just wiped the floor. Like, like he, I, I think I, I think I tried it. And he, he just destroyed us, and I was just like, yeah, I'm, I'm just not gonna bother. Uh, <laughs> which might be a disservice, but uh, no, there's a few fights like that in this game. There's, a, there's a few bonus fights, I'll say. There's one in tw- in twelve thousand BC that is just, it's really tough. When you win, you get a lot of extra cool stuff you can use, but you just. It's just like, how am I supposed to win this? You know, there's a few fights like that here that are just like kind of side quest things. There are some that are 
designed fails too, right? Like there's yes, a there's at least one. Yeah, I I was sweating big time. It was against the the golem the first time. Yes, uh, and in... I hate that's the worst part of this game. I, I'm I'm not gonna hold back. That that sure. is really annoying. I hate it when games do that. That really sucks. Like, cause I go balls out for that. But I, I remember going balls out for that battle the first time I went uh, into it, and I did not know you were suppo- quote unquote supposed to lose. And the, you know, like how are you supposed to know something like that? So, mm-hmm. yeah, that sucks. Yeah, like if if they could have built in some story that's like you don't stand a chance, you're never gonna, you know, like like to kind of nudge you that that this is going to hurt and you know don't go burning your mega elixirs right now please sure <laughs> especially against a character like dalton who is such a you know he's such a goofy he's i saw him as goofy you know yeah. he's kind of got like got almost like a pro wrestling persona where he's got the hair he's got the jacket and the laugh and he's he's kind of he's not in charge but he thinks he's in charge and all that sort we were, of stuff we were calling him gaston that's that's pretty that was very appropriate uh, yeah that's pretty accurate moniker for him but yeah but yeah so it i find it interesting that they do that i'm i was trying to think of other the other super nintendo the other final fantasy games in particular where like there are no win scenario fights and i think there's like there are a couple like there's one toward the end of four i think there's one in six but it's just like with yeah, without without warning, it's just like oh come, it's like great. Like how am I supposed? Because because then you're just like, I don't have a chance. I don't have a chance right. against this guy. And and then they're like ah, the story continues. I'm like oh okay, well just wasted all those elixirs for nothing. Right. Yeah. Yeah. I'm jumping a bit though. Up to so at this point, just got Robo. We're in, yeah. So we got Robo. We were just getting into the end of time, and then we were looking at 65 million. BC. See, it's it's interesting because you really need to kind of keep track of all of these these time periods to, even though the to this point the story is is been very linear. It's just uh, it's just a matter of of just keep pressing forward and eventually you'll get there. So from with Isla, you end up finding that uh, you're you're there to uh, save the go people. To, well, <laughs> save we have the to save the dinosaurs. Her, we have to save people from the dinosaurs. <laughs> we need to. Uh, are we there to get the dreamstone, or, or am I? Yeah, it's the okay. dreamstone. Is I've, I've skipped uh, a section then. Let's see. We find out that um, Marl's pendant is actually made of the dreamstone, if I remember correctly. Yes, there's the stone, and then later on you find out there's other things made of the redstone as well. Yeah. Uh, we skipped over the whole hero returns thing. That thing, to be fair though, that whole hero returns thing is kind of a, it's it's not a you know it's it's you have to go through it, but it's not anything anybody remembers, because then oh, you go okay. into Masa and you it does lead to to Frog getting the mystical sword or whatever, but it's not a big deal in my opinion anyway. Yeah, you do get a you do get the 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 bridge fight, which I think is, is oh is sure a yeah. And you get to meet Ozzy for the first time. So you get to meet these sort of generals, or at least the first of the generals of uh, Magus, who you start to hear that name show up uh, a little bit. So, right. But yeah, you you end up finding things. There's a there's a broken sword. 
uh, you end up meeting an old mystic who says that he can repair it, but he needs the stone. That's why you go back in time to 65 million BC. You meet Isla. She has it. She's willing to give it to you, but first you got to party. Yep, that's right. You have to, and you all have to you have to go around and talk, right, to the, to the group. Or, and then if you go back to your, your gang, who you're with, and I think I had Luca with me at the time, and she was like, I'm going to make something to eat or something. Something along the line of that, right? Where uh, There's a giant campfire party going on, right? Yes. Yeah. Because you have to do a uh, the chugging competition against against Isla to you know win the Dreamstone from her. Mm-hmm. At least that's what they that's what they refer to it. So Chrono basically gets trashed in this party. Yeah, you wake and, up with a hangover, right? Yes, and things have been missing, and there's footprints everywhere. Uh, so now dinosaur footprints, right? Ah, uh, they no, they weren't dinosaur footprints. Oh, it. I don't know. Maybe just a little I prince mean, are, for me. Are, kind of like... are, I, I guess I should ask, are reptites dinosaurs? Like... I assume they were. It could be. Stephen, what do you think? Yeah, do you I, think, I, about think reptites? I think they're kind of like a uh, evolved form of dinosaurs, I guess, where they have intelligence. Like a, like a Cro-Magnon dinosaur kind of thing? Yeah, yeah. So they've stolen your things. They've actually stolen your your ability to use the time portals. So you need to retrieve that. Through this, you meet Kino. Uh, there's, and there's a few... Night, I lo- one, one of the things that I enjoyed about, about 65 million BC is that there is a reward for trading some of the items that you pick up in the world. So like the, the fangs and horns and feathers and petals... Bring those back, and they'll give you they'll give you items, which is which worked nice, and you know, kind of hand in hand also helped boost you a little bit. This is one of those points where if you wanted to do, it didn't look like grinding, but it was it it in essence did some of that in the process. And then I I found out later on that there's a character in the hunting grounds who, if you find him, uh, he just throws stuff at you, which is great. So you run into was it new? One of those guys? Have you seen that? The blue, the blue guys. The, the blue blueberry. little like blueberry dudes with the arms. Yeah. yeah. If you run into him when it's raining in the hunting grounds and you beat him, which he's not, he's not a pushover, but he, if you beat him, he's just like, here, take it, and he throws three of each of them at you, like just all, all at once. So that can actually speed up your, your, uh, if, if you are trying to hunt for those things, that's a great opportunity to do that. Well. That's one of those things I did not know existed until I got the handy dandy Nintendo Player's Guide for Ooh. Chrono Trigger. I had no idea. I didn't even see the hunting grounds or on the the world map. I was too busy with the story, so mm-hmm. it wasn't until I got the guide. I think I was a Nintendo Power subscriber uh, at the time, and I ended up getting it for free. I forget, or did I get it? I don't remember how I got it, but. Yeah, I, I was just like, hunting ground? What the hell is that? So I went back and, yeah, sure enough, you can get all those materials to, to trade by beating enemies and those annoying new things mm-hmm. as well. Super handy. Yeah. That guide is is beautiful. Like, oh, it's wonderful. I love yeah. it. I, I have it in front of me right now, actually. <laughs> yeah. Well, that's one of those ones now that's like, it's just... They're they're hard to find and they are they are they are not cheap. Just the artwork alone is awesome. Yeah. yeah. 
Oh, oh, we miss those days. We do. Oh yeah. <laughs> but yeah. Um, from here though, you you end up saving uh, Kino. You have uh, a few fights against um, some of the smaller dinosaur types. Uh, and and this is another one. Uh, this actually, there's a fight that kind of wraps this up. That sort of starts to teach you that enemies will uh, decide. Uh, or they will change states throughout the fight and uh, will start countering things. This is the first one, I think, that really does that because the um, Triceratops-looking... It's almost like a bipedal Triceratops, but he'll throw his arm down in front of himself, and if you hit him when he's doing that, he uh, he counters, and that, that comes into play later with some of these other more complex fights. But this one, like... This was, I think, at the in this playthrough... I didn't realize that that was his hook. Uh, and this was, I think, the first, like, total party kill that I had. I didn't realize it in time. And I was like, ah, I just told all three of them to attack him. Like, oh, we're, we're toast. But yeah, from there, you have your you have your Dreamstone. So we're going to head back. We're going to take it to Melchior. Melchior's going to fix this sword. And this is the point where we get Frog in our party, I believe. Yeah, you take it back to him. You go you, where you know where he's at. There's a point where you find he's got a little hangout in the woods where he lives underneath a bush, and you bring him back the sword that I believe reveals the cutscene, cutting back to um, a little bit of his history with what he was. That he wasn't always a frog. That he was he was what Glenn was his name, I think, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. Glenn, so yes. You find it was Glenn, and he. He was an apprentice, right, to, um, what's his name, Cyrus? Is it Cyrus? Yes, or... yes. So, yeah, and he, I guess he just trains under Cyrus, and it comes to his point where he, um, is it Magus that tra- turns him into a frog? Uh, yeah. He he cl- kills his buddy Cyrus, or I, I'm at the assumption that he kills his buddy Cyrus, and he gets turned into a frog because I think Ozzy is the one who suggests that Death is too good for him. Why don't we just have some fun and turn him into a frog or something like that? You are correct, yes. Yeah. So you get a little bit more of his story starts to peel back a little bit. And to me, this is when the game started getting a little bit more interesting. Where I'm like, okay, well, this... I don't, I don't mean to throw shade at any of the other characters, but I've, I've, I guess I just found Frog to be a little bit more interesting out of the characters. I, I can't say I really can relate to him, but it's just one of the things where I'm like, oh, that's cool. This is also, I think playing the DS version, there, there's cutscenes added into it, but they're not sporadic. Now, I know there's not one here, but the scene, there is another cutscene shortly after this where you go to the Magic Mountain, is it correct? And he opens it up with his sword. He, you know, there's, um, I guess, a cinematic cutscene where he actually cuts through the mountain and opens a new path here. And I think yeah. there's a little bit more story play to, into that part at that that cutscene right there too where that's this is essentially kind of where it started to get me into this game here oh that's great yeah that cut that cutscene's pretty cool and and on the ds and on the ps1 and the ds versions uh those those anime cutscenes exist uh unfortunately the super nintendo was not the super nintendo has a the sprite the the 2d sprite version of of what happens there but it, yeah that those that's a pretty cool moment and then from there, so Frog is on on like a revenge mission, right, against against Magus, and so pushing on into into his castle, and you you then come across some of these other 
some of these other enemies who have strikingly familiar names for uh, the mid nineties. And so Stephen, I, uh, you want to talk sort of about uh, Magus's generals and, and maybe sort of about Magus's let's talk about Magus's castle as a, as a all encompassing thing as well. Yeah. So the, the Magus's castle is this uh, pretty archetypical villain castle. It's, it's dark. It's, you know, it's very imposing, and you have his generals, Ozzy, Slash, and Flea, which I, I never put that together when I was a kid. It wasn't until recently that, you know, I, Ozzy, I'm assuming, is from Ozzy Osbourne. Flea is the, the base basis for uh, Red Hot Chili Peppers. And Slash, of course, is Slash from Guns N' Roses. Um, there's actually an NPC in one of the towns. Um, I don't know if you guys saw this, but uh, when you talk to them, he'll refer to those guys as like tone deaf tone deaf losers or something like that his tone deaf generals so i thought that that really kind of hammered that point home that they were that it was a, a reference to the musicians but yeah i always really liked the uh the whole magus castle section and magus in general you, you hear a lot about magus from in, in this part of the game about this powerful wizard who's leading the fiends and going through his castle and fighting the generals and finally seeing Magus himself is uh it was always a cool moment in the game for me he's kind of perceived and made out to be like the big bad like they've been right. building him up for for at least the last you know few hours of the game you know frogs and nemesis and and he he seems to be putting a lot of strife in the people of of 600 AD and the party it's... believes that uh Magus is uh responsible for summoning Lavos like they, they believe that you know it's Magus is the one who is uh, in a, in a sense responsible for the destruction of the world because that's he's trying to summon Lavos and you see that after you fight him that the one of the I think he says like the uh, Lavos is awakening and one of the characters says wait didn't you summon Lavos and he's like no Lavos has been buried in the in the earth for however long he says I'm not sure but. Um, yeah, you think you think Lava, uh, I'm sorry, Magus is the uh, the cause of, of all the the bad things that, that the party's trying to prevent. Oh no! And now and now you start to get a a better sense. Well, at this point, I think you start to get a little more. They pull back the curtain a little bit there. Right. Still don't have a great sense of of what is happening with with Lavos just yet, but that Magus fight, that one is is a burner. Like that is that is extremely challenging alex you you want to talk about that that fight in particular or um well just the intro to that fight where it's almost like a, a pro wrestling entrance where you walk down the aisle and like the candles light alongside you it's like what a, mm -hmm. what am i the undertaker right now like this is <laughs> this is crazy like <clears throat> it's i've never seen anything like that in any game ever like the presentation there is so cool and then one thing I really like about the whole Magus's castle fights is that they tell you exactly you have 100 enemies you need to beat. And then the music does not change throughout any of the battles. It's the same music, which is a really nice like I kind of like the music in Chrono Trigger, the battle music. I mean, the battle music in any JRPG is going to get annoying after a while because you're going to hear it so many times. But just having that break and just hearing just the the music stay the same as you fight these enemies is really a nice break from that. Just from an aesthetics standpoint, I guess. But 
anyway, yeah, the Magus fight is easily the hardest. I would say Hecran is pretty tough, but yeah, Magus is another level of of difficulty at that point. It's another level of management where you need to make sure that you've got the right party, you've got fire, you've got ice, you've got lightning in there. Even if you don't, you you can still have Robo in there even if you want a little more of a challenge. Um because he's I mean, I guess Robo can heal and you can attack with the other two characters, but um yeah, the Magus battle has always been like a a, a great I think that kind of pretty much marks the halfway point of the game if I'm not mistaken. Yeah, because there's a there's I mean there's a big shift in the scale of the game gets gets a lot bigger after that point. Because after that point, do we end up in we end up in Zeal? That's after that's that point, you end up in 65 million BC, and you're just like, what oh, the hell happened? Right. That's right. And yeah. you're you're just really disoriented. And mm-hmm. then after that, you're like, oh, well, we got to find another time portal so we can get out of here. And the one you find is leads to zeal yeah okay and that is and that's after you deal you're dealing with with the sort of the azala and the yes the dark the 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 tyranno black uh, tyranno yeah that's that comes right after the magus fight that's right piecing it all back together and 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 then through that section i I, there's not a whole lot to I, i don't think there's a whole lot to talk about in there except that at the end is when you see that lavos Lavos's arrival is actually what hearkened the extinction of the dinosaurs and the you know the beginning of the of the ice age. Right. Uh, yeah. And that whole moment was is is really something uh, kind of cool to see that play out. It was unexpected. You know, I didn't expect to feel any sort of sympathy for Azala, but then he is is the the moment before Lavos strikes. It's like, huh. Like, like exactly. it's either humans or lizards or dinos or whatever. And it's like, oh, didn't expect that. Interesting. Yeah. So then from there, we're, we're off to Zeal. And, and, and you get some of the, some iconic imagery again, right? You get these cities floating, these, these sections of the world, almost islands in the sky kind of, kind of thing um, above. And then you get sort of that, that ice planet below um, and you come to learn about this, Stephen. You, you want to talk about Zeal a little bit, and maybe the people there, and yeah. So Zeal is a pretty big departure from anything else you've seen so far. With the, as you mentioned, the floating islands, and there are people there who live on the islands. Who I believe they refer to them as the enlightened ones. I think uh, I forget, but um, they they have they're able to use magic, which I believe it's. Um, alluded to that they they somehow have inherited those powers from Lavos but then you have the people who are on the surface who I believe they they're called the earthbound ones and they sort of live in these rough conditions um, because they're not able to use the the magic powers that the people uh, in in the on the islands can use but yeah I think the first thing one of the first things uh, that you that you'll notice when you go into uh, Zeal is uh, the, the music, and I always really love the the music for the uh, for the, the Zeal uh, area of the game. Is that? I can't remember the track 
is called but I, there's one that's called corridors of time and I, yeah that's the one that's the one okay yeah that's a pretty good yeah i'm trying to, i'm trying to think of like a, i'm trying to think if there's like of, of the songs like there's so many of them that are great i think i alluded to before but like yeah if if i had to pick like the iconic song from the game i'm probably leaning in that direction you're not alone there for sure that would be no? my okay. pick too it just it sounds really Ill. now i guess we shifted the music really quick there were two there were two composers who, who did this one of them was well it was mitsuda to start and then i think mitsuda passed away and then uematsu picked up at the end and i i wonder at what point in the game like if there was a point from like from this point on it was it was you know the shift happened you know sometimes you see that with like movies like like in uh this is going to come out of nowhere but in in ai you see where kubrick stopped and you see where spielberg picked up um so i wonder if the music if if there is kind of that shift i would almost wonder i'm speculating if around the time of magus's castle if that's where that's where things got different i don't know i may be making stuff up now at this point but i like that track let's go back to that (laughs) (laughs) but yeah so so you end up finding about how these people are are these kind of elitist kind of individuals who are you know like oh we're we're so special are trying to harness the power of Lavos, who has been incubating inside the Earth uh, for millions and millions of years, and now are trying to they trying to awaken him, or they're just trying to make this palace that's sort of the the the, the ocean palace, and is trying to uh, trying to utilize his energy for their own purposes. But and you also meet is it Scala and Janus? Yes. Is it Janus or Janus or? I always said Janus and I always said Shala. Shala. Yeah. yeah. That's just me though. So these are the these are the um, offspring of the current queen of Zeal, um, who she is utilizing to uh, to help her machine function to to harness this energy out of out of Lavos. And so uh, you end up, you end up coming across the two of them and are actually in the process are, do you get banished? They end up sending you away, right? Like that, is that before or after that golem fight that you, we met, you mentioned earlier? I think that's, I think the golem fight happens and then they, and then they cast you out. It's after the golem fight because they're like, you killed my wonderful monster. And then they lock you up. Oh, right. Yeah. So yeah, then then they they put that weird prism thing around the the time portal to keep you from coming back to twenty thousand BC or I'm sorry twelve thousand BC. So you got to find another way to go back to fight Queen Zeal and to keep her from awakening Lavos. Yeah. And so from there. Well, we we unlock what what starts to happen is is you start to get more mobility in in this world. Granted, at the moment they seem to have cut off your path, but now now as we're jumping around time, we're, we end up discovering a means to teleport in in the epoch, is at least in the version that I played. That's what that's epoch, called. Epoch, epoch. I have no idea. I'm the I'm the last person to ask for pronunciations, <laughs> so <laughs> I don't know. I just always said epoch. Yeah, so you end, up, you end up 
you end up discovering that through it, it takes a few steps to get there, but you end up finding that, and then you end up back in the kingdom of Zeal, and this is where stuff kind of gets very serious very quickly. The, f- the whole ocean palace encounter, like that whole the whole dungeon, I I feel like is is pretty well crafted. Stephen, would 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 you agree with that or? Oh yeah, uh, this is um. On, on this playthrough that I'm currently doing, this is about the point where I got to, I, I think I was just about to head into the Ocean Palace, but I actually did watch you play it on stream. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah, that, that that's always been a uh, an interesting dungeon. It's very different from anything you've seen yet. It looks very high tech. And yeah, there's a lot of, a lot of unique enemy sprites I don't think you've seen yet in that dungeon. There, there were some of those, some of those fights, and, and I, th- I think the character that I'm, that I was dealing with, I found myself really leaning on specific texts. Uh, I, I mentioned that Falcon hit tech uh, much earlier, but there's some of those. They're almost like little flying deals that have color association to what magic they can be atta- they can be hit with. Yes, and and the Falcon hit just wipes them out, like like. I found myself not being ashamed to use my MP, which is funny because <laughs> a lot of games I I'm super careful about that stuff. Do you guys find that the same way? Like uh, like uh, being RP for for Alex and and for Steven, uh, being having played more RPGs than just this one, right? Do you do you find yourself hoarding items? Oh, I yes. know what you mean. Yeah, it's it's the t- there's a trope t- uh, too valuable to use. Yeah, like you go the whole game holding on to these items, and it's like, oh, this is, well, I can't possibly use this. It's too it's too valuable. I got to hang on to it for something more important, and you end up never using it. Mm-hmm. So it's yeah, I know exactly what you mean by that. But yeah, no, the the Ocean Palace is uh, a good example of that, where it's like you end up using that stuff you felt like was too valuable to use. But I I just found that it was like it was like I can I have means to replenish this. Like shelters are super inexpensive. Like as long as you have a save point, I can regenerate all of this. And so it was just like just do it, do it the most efficient way because and 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 I found myself moving through things relatively efficiently. At least at least I was. But the the biggest component of the Ocean Palace is what happens at the end of the ocean palace and alex do you, do you want to talk about that that sort of moment and what what it leads to well let's see here are you talking about the uh death of a certain character <laughs> yes. yes okay <laughs> well what's interesting is that okay chrono basically sacrifices himself for the rest of the party and um, takes one for the team. He's gone. He gone. He out of here. And the story continues without him. And it's like, well, geez, um, we have this time traveling machine thing. Um, is there, and then there, that's where the game really opens up. And there are one of, I think seven different or no, six different events actually technically seven different events that you can play through um, after that point. You can get Chrono back, and that's where we go all the way back to the Millennial Fair. You can time travel back to 
1000 AD and go to the tent in the upper right and get <laughs> you can get what's called the the I have such a tr I have so many problems saying this. Okay, you can get the the clone of Chrono. I always say the clone of Clono. It's the cr <laughs> the cl the clone of Chrono. Okay, so um, you get a clone and you bring him back to that point and he destroys the clone instead of Chrono, and then you just go about your merry way with Chrono in your party as if nothing happened. And it's really, it's such a cool touch because it's just like, man, oh man, like what kind of game has the balls to just mercilessly kill their main character like that? Mm -hmm. um, and you can complete the game without him. You don't have to go back and get him again. I always did. I feel I'm I'm a sap. I always... It feels like, it feels like the story really pushes you to do it. Like there's uh, not a... it, it encourages you. Yeah, for sure. It makes you feel guilty for not to. Well, I don't know if it makes, maybe it's just me, but <laughs> yeah, for sure. But I thought I thought that was great. In in the process, you also have the opportunity to uh, acquire uh, a new party member in in your big bad up to this point. Uh, oh and yeah, that's, and that's Magus. So Magus can now join your party. He's got his own set of skills. In both in both my playthroughs, I have very rarely used him. That's my most unpopular opinion about this game is that I think Magus sucks as a party member. Really. Like, I'll just come out and say it. Like, I never use him. I think he's just kind of flimsy. I think his magic is flimsy. It's not great. I think Dark Matter's okay as a triple tech. Or is it a triple tech? Or is it just when you have Black Rock attached? I, I, I forget. I think, I think it'd be a triple. I think I think most of the triple techs are, are item tied, right? I think so. Well, maybe. Some of them are. Some of but, them are, at least, but... Yeah, it's I, I just don't I never have Magus in my party. Like it's it's definitely a really cool touch that he's available. Like like what an unexpected thing that is. It's just like, oh yeah, he wants to join in and uh help defeat have you, Labos. Have you tried have you tried to either Stephen or Alex have, have either of you tried to like turned him down? Or, I like, did said, once said, and I got you, my ass. You wanted to fight him? Yeah. <laughs> So yeah, I never, never went done that. Yeah. Well, I, I I put it out to the crowd um, when we were playing. I was like, should I fight him? Should I fight him? And, and everyone was just like, you don't want to do that. <laughs> it's like, okay. Yeah. But yeah, I, 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 I don't know. I'm, I just am not motivated to to play as him for some reason. And and then the moment you get Chrono back, it's just like, well, I, I don't want I don't want Chrono and Magnus in the, or Magus in the same party. Like, like, it's yeah, like having I'm, Professor I, X and Magneto in the same party. Yeah, that's. I'm the opposite. I always, once I get recruited Magus, he was always a staple in my party. Um, I always really liked that he uh, had uh, three. I think I think he can use like lightning two, fire two, and ice two, so he can have right. all the the different elements. And uh, I, I don't, I didn't actually get that far in this playthrough, so I don't remember specifically what I liked and what I didn't like about him. But I always felt like I thought his dark matter ability was pretty good. If I remember right. And I think he does get some pretty cool double and triple texts, or maybe he doesn't even get double texts. I don't remember, but I, I know he gets some double texts with or triple texts with the uh, other members. And I believe uh, I've always made good use of those, but yeah, typically um, 
Magus, I, I think I would usually rotate pretty evenly between a lot of the characters, but uh, Magus was usually in my in-game party, so I used him a lot. Right on. You used him in the Lavos battle? Yeah. Oh, right on. That's cool. Yeah, I think usually my in-game party ends up being uh, Chrono, Luca, and Magus, I believe. Oh, yeah. I can see that working, for sure. Yeah, having having not had him in my party really at all I, I i wouldn't even know a good combo but that's that's interesting that that's the direction that, that you take it because he's he's the last party character you get and i feel i feel like sometimes I, I i get overly attached to those that i've had around for from the beginning you've uh, invested a lot of time and i have i have they're they're part of the team they're the free you know like marl i i i think i almost always have marl in the party she's the best healing character for sure yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, but she, um, I don't know, and, and, and maybe there's maybe there's that attachment because she's the first one that we ever run we ever run into. Huh. Um, yay, dad <laughs> jokes, dad jokes are awesome. I'll say, yeah. ask real quick: Is there a majority? Is there like a, a a base team that you everyone roll with for the majority of the game? You know, like I know, Steven, you said you rotate constantly, but is there like uh, like a go-to three for everybody for the majority of the game. I know you might rotate it for a boss fight or whatnot, but is there a go-to three for everybody? Like my three at this point, at this point is Frog, Meryl, and, and Chrono. I just, I don't know, I'm, I feel comfortable. Like I have my strategies. I, I have, with Meryl, I have her, I, I can't remember the name of the attack, but she'll speed up your, your attacks. Uh, so I'll put that on everybody. And then I usually will have like Frog heal everybody. And then Chrono's basically always attacking all time and that strategy has like worked great for me so far at this point in the game where I haven't really struggled with too many bosses because of that that strategy. But does anyone else have a um a, a comfortable three that you rock with? That is exactly what I've been doing. Um is stick with Marl, stick with Chrono, and stick with haste is the name of the spell that you're talking about that speeds up the time for everybody to get to their next one. It's a huge advantage, especially especially in that Magus fight. If you if you get haste before you fight Magus, you're going to be using haste to the point where it wears off and then you have to recast it later on in the battle. Yep. So yeah, haste is one of the most important spells in the whole game for sure. Yeah, for me, just for an enjoyment factor i just like playing as chrono i like playing as marl and then the third person could be anybody like it could be i'm pretty sure i finished via new game plus i finished with with frog as my third party member with uh robo with isla it's hard to get away from chrono and marl to be honest with you it's kind of for the same reasons that were stated earlier that it's just i get attached to them and I like the healing properties of Marl, especially. I like Aural Whirl. Um, it's very reliable, especially since it's predicated on Marl's magic power. So it's it's very reliable, and it heals everybody. So it's it's always... And you get it really early on in the game, so it's you don't have to scroll too far to get to it. So uh, that's always a bonus. But it's just, yeah, Chrono and Marl, and then just whoever, for me. Yeah, I, I go I go with Chrono Marl and then Isla. So we have two healers, but then she she just rakes. Like like she does some massive damage and yeah. I don't know. I like her. I like her a lot. She's she's one of my favorite characters in this game, but 
and then Steven, you kind of alluded to your to your kind of end game go to party, but mm-hmm. um, do yeah, you, do you have a favorite? Like, I don't know if I asked. Do you have a favorite character overall in the game, or? Um, well, I I've been using Magus as my uh, form avatar for a few years now, so mm-hmm. I I think I tend to be drawn to kind of the the, the dark broody uh, characters, uh, just my nice. personality, I guess. But uh, I think for the um, for a lot of the game, I, I'll rotate the characters pretty evenly because one nice thing about this game is that your even characters who aren't in your active party still gain experience and will level up. But only characters in your active party will get the uh, tech points to learn new abilities. So while characters are still trying to learn those abilities, I will sort of try to swap them out evenly so everybody learns all the abilities. And and uh, another thing I really like is that I don't feel like there's a, a bad character in this game. I feel like I can make use of uh, all of them. And for a lot of situations, I think you could make most party combinations work i think there are some where you might have to go for a more specialized party but yeah i think that's sort of a rare thing i feel like in almost every uh jrpg even like the the other two main final fantasy games on the super nintendo there's usually at least one character that i don't really like and i won't use very much but this game i i have no problem using any of the main seven characters I think Steven hit on it there. And let me just say, if I want to apologize. <laughs> I didn't mean to attack Magus that strongly. <laughs> I know I know he's he's near and dear to you, but uh, I do like Magus. I think Magus is an amazing character. And I, if there were a Chrono Trigger sequel, um, it would be amazing to see. I mean, I know there is technically with Chrono Cross, but not really. Come on, let's face it. But um, it would be cool to see Magus as like a you know some sort of like crazy person trying to track down Shala or whatever. But um, no, what what Steven said is that every character in this game is uh, useful in some way, one way or another. They're like magic. Uh, Magus is a magic, like a super powerful magic user. You can't say that about a game like everybody always wants to compare Chrono Trigger and Final Fantasy VI. There are at least two, maybe three characters in Final Fantasy VI that are just like, okay, glad glad you're here. Let's let's move along. <laughs> glad, ha- nice to meet you. I'll never use you ever. Goodbye. You know, like it's whereas uh, Chrono Trigger, all seven is it, I believe it's seven characters mm-hmm. are are useful in some way. So um, that's a good point. You're talking about Gao, aren't you? <laughs> no, I like Gao. I'm talking about like the what That's is That's who it? I was the, thinking of. The, the mummy was it Umaro? Oh, the Sasquatch. Yeah. The Sasquatch I don't, thing. I don't and then either. the and then there's some like yeti thing that you get too. And it's like why bother? It's it doesn't matter. Yeah. Like just enough already. <laughs> anyway. Okay, let me let me let me rein, rein us back in a little bit. <laughs> this is the point in the game where where if you choose to we can do a couple of things, right? You can go right to the, you can go, let's go fight Lavos. Let's go. Or you get some revelation as to who the person at the end of time is. He tells you about these other things that are going on in the world and how you can kind of get some closure with some of the people that you have with you. Now I have, I think in my first playthrough, I skipped all the side quests and I, I, I feel like I'm, it's a disservice to myself to do that. Have you guys played through all of those? Have you, have you, Stephen? I, I have to assume that you have. 
Yeah, I think my last playthrough before this one, I did all of these side quests, and they they're they're pretty good for adding some uh, some character to to the characters in the game. You get a little more insight into some of their their personalities and their backstories, and um, that they're they're also how you get each character's best weapon, if I if I remember correctly. Or, I think that's true, yeah, especially yeah. in the terms of the rainbow shell. And I've heard I've heard that quest is particularly time intensive. It can be, yeah. Yeah. So I think I went through I did this time I, I, I did Ayla's, which is very much a just go here, turn in some more items. She doesn't have a whole lot more beyond that, right? There's there's a uh silver rock i think you get from her um i've i've heard i've heard some people say that the 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 side quest is where let me rephrase that i've heard somebody specifically outright say that they didn't like the story because the, the side quest is where all of the actual character arc and development is alex would you agree with that or do you do you feel like those are just like what are your thoughts on what the side quests do for for the story on an individual basis? It depends on what your expectations are going into the game. If you think that a 16-bit RPG is going to be like a two-hour movie like The Godfather uh, in terms of character development, that's not going to happen. It's just not. The way the game is structured, it's just it's it's going to be a video game first and foremost, and then it's going to get to the good stuff you know it's going to get into the character development stuff which is fine by my by me you know there are people out there that you know i'm i i'm afraid that chrono trigger is starting to get overhyped a little bit uh as like the greatest game ever greatest rpg ever or whatever and that's yeah it's inevitable cuz it is a very it's such a it's a really really good game well made game but um you know, it it does get off to a little bit of a slow start, but I would agree to you to agree with you to a certain extent where it has, uh, yeah, more stuff regarding frogs' backstory, um, more stuff involving other people in the world. I think there's a quest with Fiona. I want to say her name is. I forget what time period she's in, but. It's it's something about like the forest becoming a desert and you need to go into the desert and kill a monster to regrow the forest. I, I want to say it's in 600 AD so that the forest is there in 1000 AD. And Robo plays a part in that in a way you wouldn't expect, which is really cool. And continuing that, um, there's... Oh, geez, what else is there? I know there's the sunstone thing. That's, that's Lucas. That's Lucas, I believe. Is it Lucas? Okay. Yeah. Because yeah, there's something involving Lucas' mother that is so unexpected and honest to God, very scary. Like it's scary how unexpected it is. Like it's just I, I don't know. It's it's I can't think of another game other than maybe Super Metroid that made me that made me like almost jump out of my seat like that. It was just very out of nowhere. So yeah, I feel, I feel like I need to give these some time now. Yeah, <laughs> the Luca one for sure. That one was just wow. Like I like if I could relive that for the first time over again, I would. That's one of my favorite parts. 
it's it's it feels wrong to say it's one of my favorite parts of the game because it's pretty dark, but it is very unexpected. Okay, Stephen, did did you have did you have some thoughts on the on the side quests or? Not, I don't really remember them that specifically. It's I think my last time playing the game was probably about five years ago, and I did do them during that playthrough, but I I don't remember a lot of the finer details, and I didn't quite get that far this time playing through the game i think there's one involving uh frog and cyrus as well mm-hmm. um, yeah it's where you go I, through the ruins right i remember as a kid trying to do that and i couldn't figure out what to do i just remember i kept you see like the the zombie form of cyrus i think and I, I can never do any damage against them and i think there's some trick to it but uh as a kid i can never figure that out and but yeah they, they i like that they add some uh some detail to the characters in the game. And there's bonus stuff in the DS version as well. But to be honest, the DS version added, I think there's just, they add some stuff in 65 billion, uh, 65 million BC. And it's really not that great. I remember thinking the same thing because it's been a while since I played that version too. But yeah, there's like a, like a cave hub area and you get like these sort of little, little, almost like little quests just to go kill certain monsters or something. It's not, it doesn't really add much. I don't think. Not really. I agree with you there. Yeah. Excellent. Well, from this point, well, and one one of the things I, I, I think that that ends up happening with me is when you give me that branch to go, Hey, well, you want to go do all these other things or should we just go take care of the thing that's going to destroy us all? Uh, and I, I, I tend to lean toward let me go fight the thing that's going to destroy us all and let's take let's take care of take care of the the main quest. And so at this point you go fight Lavos. Now I I don't know how much we want to go into the details and for the sake of time maybe we can kind of skip over that fight unless you had specific thoughts on these last few this last like gauntlet that you sort of run through. But I, I did want to talk a bit about the endings and steven i know that you are making a point of going through and hitting as many of these endings as possible so i wanted to give you an opportunity to talk about those or maybe any specific ones that you found that were really fun or interesting or worth uh worth trying to pursue if you have never seen them before yeah so one one thing that pretty interesting about chrono trigger in general is that they have the new game plus option which is where you can start a new game but carry over your your levels and your items and abilities from your a previous playthrough and that's how you're going to get most of your extra endings in the game one of the more interesting ones that a lot of people uh, like to get is the the dream team ending where you you get that very early in a new game plus like it's at the uh in the in the fair where you're watching lucas experiment for the first time, uh, if you just use the the right telepod instead of the left one, you'll you'll get transported straight to the Lavos battle, and that ending is uh, you you you're in the end of time, and all the NPCs that are there are um, members of the development team. That was a cool one, and there was some other ones I really like. There's one called the Oath, which is it, it basically just shows Frog going to fight Magus. This, this ending would occur before you do the Magus fight, so it would show Frog uh, going to take care of that bit of unfinished business. 
Yeah, and there were a couple that feel that felt kind of tacked on, like like uh, they they were literally just a, a credit scroll with uh, some character sprites on top. Um, wasn't really much to those, but I, I'm finding that a lot of these added endings were they they definitely don't feel as fleshed out as the main ending. Where the main ending, it, it, you probably spend like ten minutes watching that, where these other ones are just a couple minutes long. Um, but they're still they're still a cool addition to the game, and I I, I think it, it was a big deal at the time. I, I don't think uh, a, a JRPG having multiple different endings was really uh, a thing at the time. I think this is one of the first ones to do it. Because there's like 14 in total, right? Is that something like that? So, yeah, yeah. It's definitely in the double digits. But... Yeah. Oh, that's that's pretty cool. Uh, of those, you 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 mentioned the fact that again again you can you can go fight Lavos at almost any point in the game right that's uh, actually how you um you earn these different endings it, it at what point you go and fight lavos it determines which of the the endings you get that's fascinating do you have you found that any particular version of lavos is easier than the others like is is there one that is more of a cakewalk compared to the rest you know, or if you fight lavos going from the right telepod you basically just have to fight his outer shell and then the two main forms inside of the shell i noticed when i used the bucket in the end of time you actually have to fight this gauntlet where he sort of takes on the the persona of all the different bosses in the game and i found that that took a lot longer um, i'm not sure how how it is if you progress through the game naturally and, and fight lavos where you're supposed to at the very end but yeah i definitely found that fighting from the right telepod was the quickest way to do it interesting that's good to know. And you can just do that from 1000 AD. I, I'm pretty sure, you, yeah, you do that in 1000 AD, and I think you can only access that right telepod in, in a new game plus. I don't think the game allows you to do it ah, okay. in a standard playthrough. Okay. Well, that's good to know. Very good. Alex, did you do you want to comment on any of the endings, or do you have uh, have any experience with with those? Oh, just the developer ending was so unexpected and so funny. I didn't expect to laugh so hard. Just, you know, having the dev team, having their real names on there and telling you, yelling at you to go play outside for once <laughs> is was just like such a delight. It was just, I'd never seen that like fourth wall broken before in any game ever. So it was just like, wow, they're real people making these games. That's so cool. So that, that really like kind of broke a, a barrier for me in terms of video game design and all that sort of stuff. Like, oh yeah, there's people making these games. Imagine that. So I, I really enjoyed that one the most. But yeah, I agree with uh, Steven in that the the traditional ending going the the regular way through the Black Omen is the most satisfying ending for sure. That's good. I think unless unless there's anything else. Ryan, did you have any other thoughts or comments? Or I'll I'll throw to you guys as well if you had anything else you wanted to add before we kind of put a bow on this. You know, I I know we kind of mentioned about this a little bit earlier with some of the humor, but one thing, well, consulting the guide and um, me playing through the DS, the guide is essentially a Super Nintendo version because I've learned this that there is some different verbiage or wording for some of the things. Uh, I believe the Super Nintendo version, there is an item you can unlock for for Ayla. Uh, it's just, I think it's just called Charm. But uh, for the DS version, it's called Alluring Top. And if you read the text, it's like, 
I think it's something to do with like a revealing top that uh, adds well like charm ability or something like that. And I was like, mm-hmm. oh okay, well like little stuff like that there, you know. And I think some of the um, uh, potions or not potions, but items are named slightly different between the two. A couple things I've learned over over thing, and I just I don't know. I just thought that was kind of a little neat. I don't know if it's just maybe they weren't happy with the um, translation or whatever, but I don't know. It, it's appreciated that there's maybe with the DS version a little bit more ex- explanatory for me. They did update the translation from the Super Nintendo one, which was your traditional Ted Woolsey uh, translation. You, we, I think that was the guy who did all of the squaresoft super nintendo rpgs back in the day back in the 90s and he did them i'm pretty sure he did them by himself in a very short period of time there are some interviews where he was like yeah i I did the best i could i'm sorry it's not totally accurate so yeah they i'm sure the ds version was cleared up for some accuracy in in some instances that's really cool so that'll about do it for our thoughts on Chrono Trigger, and we've seen a lot of interaction about this game, both on, on Twitter, uh, in the Facebook group, and as well on on our forums. Ryan, did you want to comment on the type of interactions we've been seeing this month? Yeah, so far um, this month, a lot of the, the a lot of the talk on the forums have been people's strategies and what they how they normally play this game, and I think it's pretty cool. It's for someone like me, who's fairly new to this, it's kind of neat to see what how other people like to play this game or you know, give me some general ideas of what maybe to try while I play this game. That's awesome. Yeah, we 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 hope people take this opportunity. I mean, like we say that we're like a book club, uh, and you know, the 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 point there is to share share the experience, but also to help people get through it, especially if it's challenging stuff. But that's great, and we hope to see more of that in the future. Uh, and so with this, we're gonna close out season six of Cartridge Club Prime. Uh, Ryan, it's been a great year. Uh, co-hosting this show with you so thank you if you do like this show uh, you should also take a moment to check out our sister podcast available on this same feed right here and for september uh, cartridge club portable will be playing a lesser known space shooter for the nintendo ds in nanostray 2 Uh, i also want to give a huge shout out to the club's own josh leslie who puts all the work into our amazing uh, episode thumbnails thank you josh for your work on those over the season. Uh, And if you're interested in hearing from Josh, Josh is also a part of a similar show uh, focused on retro PC games, and that is the Quick Save Club. So go take a look for them. Um, But Ryan, uh, you want to take it from here? Sure thing. So I want to thank our guests for being on the show with us today. Alex, where can we find you on the internet? You just go to snesdrunk.com. Thank you very much. I will go there. Stephen, where can we find you on the internet? Yeah, so right now I'm I'm only on Twitter at the Disposed Hero. That's good enough for me, man. I want to thank you guys for being here. You guys were fantastic guests talking about Chrono Trigger, the game of the month. As for myself, you can find me on Twitter at it's Rocket Sauce and Instagram at it's Rocket Sauce, and occasionally I stream the game of the month uh, on Twitch. Under the same uh, handle, of it. it's Rocket Sauce. Musty, it's uh, been a fun year hosting the show with you here for this last season. And um, Musty, where can we find you on the internet? Yes, uh, so most the my social media of choice is Twitter, and that's also uh, at Musty Hobbit. Uh, I do also stream the game of the month uh, every 
uh, Monday usually, and sometimes that bleeds into Wednesdays on twitch.tv slash mustyhobbit. Uh, and then I do have a YouTube channel, which I'm not really putting a whole lot of stuff to, but who knows? Things could change there. And that's also uh, Musty Hobbit as well. But thank you all for hanging out today. And, uh, and to those of you who are interested in supporting the club beyond a review, on the podcast app of your choice. I'd like to mention that the Cartridge Club itself is entirely funded by pledges made from the members of our community. We're extremely grateful to those supporters. So if you're interested in becoming one of them, please look into how you can do that at patreon.com slash cartridge club. Uh, we do look forward to hearing from you sometime real soon. CCU night. <laughs>